Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have another wonderful show lined up for you. Uh, we will be joined by Dr. Tom Tunstall, who is the leading researcher in economic development from the University of Texas out of San Antonio. But first, I want to discuss our latest issue of Shell Magazine. Another great issue and another great cover. You will never guess who we were able to catch up with and discuss a little bit about the Permian Basin area. There's an area out there called Alpine High, and we were able to get an exclusive story from Steve Keenan with Apache Corporation, who was the main, main person behind discovering Alpine High uh, in the Permian Basin area and a New Mexico area. So if you're interested in in that, this is a story that you don't want to miss. Uh, and if you're interested in reading the latest issue of Shell Magazine, please go to shellmag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to read all all about Steve Keenan, the main person behind Alpine High. Switching gears a little bit on you guys, uh, I'm very excited and I hope that you will join me personally on February 11th in Austin, Texas, beautiful Austin, Texas. We will be heading down there to talk to all of our elected officials discussing very, very important topics pertaining to the future of the region of South Texas. Now, later on in the show, we're going to catch up with Dr. Tom Tunstall, who uh, was a presenter at uh, our conference discussing some of the most important things that are going on in South Texas. So I hope that you will stay tuned, but I encourage you, please come and join me and talk about all the very, very important things that uh, are important to the future of the region of South Texas. This is those 47 counties that really need input from the community, as well as the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition that they will be supporting all things oil and gas. So please visit txenergyadvocates.com and sign up for your free seat on our bus and come and have fun with us for that day. Once again, it's February the 11th at noon at our Texas Capitol. But if you want a free ride there and lots of fun, please sign up at txenergyadvocates.com advocates.com and sign up to get your free seat on the bus seats are going fast so i encourage you to register right now it's free why not spend a day with us advocating making sure your voice is heard and having a fun day with me so come on get on our website txenergyadvocates.com and i'll see you at the capitol on february 11th now before I bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, one last 
item I want to discuss with you, which is so much fun to me. I'm so excited and I cannot wait to hear from you is on February the 9th, Saturday at 2 p.m., you're going to be able to call in live, speak to me, and of course, speak to our expert, John Tatera, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. I encourage you, if you have a question pertaining to anything of oil and gas, please call in live and pitch your question to John Tatera. I promise you, he will have an answer for you. So here's the number to call us starting February the 9th at 2 p.m. Area code 210-526-3656. Again, that number is 210-526-3656. Now it's time to bring on the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. I couldn't agree with you more. The weather is just superb. Beautiful, beautiful day. Um, let's jump in to our questions for you because uh, there are some pretty uh, interesting questions that have come in as of lately, and uh, I want to jump into that. But first, you know, we had an interesting report from the International Energy Agency this week. So despite reports from the global economy slowing down, the International Energy Agency projects that crude oil demand will be even stronger this year than it was last year. So tell me how this works. I I, I don't quite understand. How does this work? Yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting projection by these guys. They're they're usually very, very conservative with their growth projections at the first of the year. And generally, uh, they do a mid-year revision, and that mid-year revision over the last five years has always been upwards because they always have underestimated growth. So the fact that this particular agency, which is at the United Nations, um, is is issuing such a strong demand, uh, demand forecast uh, for 2019, despite you know what most observers think uh, is a slowing global economy, is it, it says a lot about the relative strength of an ongoing strength of demand for crude oil not just the United States, but all over the world. And it, it kind of flies in the face of what you hear from environmentalists who like to talk about how the advent of electric vehicles is killing demand for crude oil. That simply is not the case. Uh, growth in demand for crude oil has been strong every year for the past decade, basically, even during the downtimes when the price bust hit. And, and so... This is a really interesting projection. I thought it was worth mentioning on this show because it just shows people that all this stuff you're hearing in the media right now about how the oil industry is going to have a down year because the price, you know, went lower towards the end of last year probably isn't true. And uh, probably we're going to have another very strong year. Uh, in the United States industry and globally. You know, David, what is surprising to me is all these people that are the naysayers in oil and gas that, you know, we need to, you know, global warming and we need to make a drastic change and we need to go to all these other alternative fuels. And and I, I can just imagine that their heads are exploding right now with this report. Yeah, they probably are because, you know, those folks are reading that and thinking, Wow, that's not the way this is supposed to work here. If the economy slows down, demand for crude oil is supposed to slow down with it. 
And that's just not happening because, well, you know, one thing people fail to consider is that the population all over the earth is growing. Uh, you also have uh, a lot of pressure uh, on company, countries like India and China to stop using coal. Uh, and so they're having to go to alternatives, oil and gas uh, being one of the viable alternatives to coal. And, and it just, the world and the economy are not as simple as uh, a lot of these activists want or try, you know, believe themselves that they are. And it, it's just a very complex picture. And uh, the reality is oil and gas is very abundant, very cheap, and, and the, the world's population is going to continue to demand. And we need it. So swi- yeah. switching gears, I'm pretty excited because, you know, February the 9th is when we go live. We will be taking questions from our uh, audience and, and our followers and even our anti-followers. Um, questions on oil and gas. And that is a new partnership uh, in connection with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. So I'm, I'm really excited for the show to grow in that way. But I wanted to ask you, uh, Carr Ingram, who is their economist for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, released his Petro, his Texas Petro Index this week. And in it, it shows a, a contracting uh, took place in Texas on the Texas industry during November and December, which comes after a 23rd straight month of growth. So that being said, should we be worried about the health of the uh, energy industry? I know you said on a global picture, probably not, but what does CARS index tell us as well? Well, and and his index is a very useful tool because he's he's been doing this for more than 20 years now, tracking the growth or contraction in the, the industry just in Texas. Uh, and it has been an incredibly reliable indicator of the relative health of the Texas economy overall, because our economy is so dependent on oil and gas. So it makes sense. And and yeah, during November and December, his uh, index did contract a little bit. But as he, as he said, as he, as he was making the announcement, he, his belief is not that that means that the Texas economy or the, and the Texas industry are really slowing down a lot. It's just a kind of a result of the fact that we, if, if folks remember, we had a very big contraction in the price of crude oil and the price of natural gas during those months. And that, that you know, is, is a major element of the formula he uses to track the health of the industry. And so during those months, the prices for both oil and gas went down. But now, as we see, it's recovering since the first of the year, and it's recovered 25% since the first of the year. So... Carr, Carr said himself that he thinks that this, this is really kind of an anomaly in in this index and that we probably are going to start seeing it start rising again when the January number, numbers come available. Very interesting. I picture once again these lefties' heads exploding, right? Kapoom! Yeah, <laughs> not good not week. Good it was not, not a good, good week for now. them. Uh, the big event this week came as President Trump joined many Central and South American nations that were recognizing Venezuelan's opposition leader, Juan Guaido, as the rightful president of this country. 
Uh, talk to me about the potential impact uh, the revolution is taking place down there and uh, the U.S. in the oil industry. What, what's our what's our take on that? What's your take on that? Well, it's it's hard to know right now. I, you know, we expect, I think, the, the United States government probably will be starting to put sanctions on Venezuela and its oil industry here pretty soon. And, of course, Venezuela's industry has been collapsing along with its economy over the last two years. So probably... Uh, you know, to me, I think the most likely impact is you're going to take more Venezuelan oil off the market, at least temporarily, and that will cause the price, you know, pressure on the price to rise as supply gets uh, a little thinner here globally. So, I, you know, ultimately that to me is going to mean the main impact. It also is going to have a, an impact in the refining business because Venezuela a lot of their exports come to the United States. It's heavy crude oil, and, and the refineries along the Gulf Coast you know, need that heavy crude oil because that's how their refineries are, are set up to run. So uh, it could have a, a negative impact on the refining industry to some extent as well. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. When we return, we will be joined by Dr. Tom Tunstall with the University of Texas in San Antonio. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by ShaleMag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. According to a forecast published yesterday by the Energy Department's Statistics Division, the United States, long beholden to foreign oil, is poised to become a net energy exporter starting next year. Thanks to the shale oil and natural gas boom, the U.S. will export more energy than it imports in 2020 for the first time since 1953, two years earlier than what was previously expected. And it won't be a one-off thing. The EIA report added that the United States is likely to be a net energy exporter through at least 2050. WTI gained $1.19 yesterday to close at $53.82 per barrel. Natural gas jumped five cents to $3.04 per million BTUs. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and now it is time to bring on our guest, Dr. Tom Tunstall, who is the Director of Research for the Institute of Economic Development with the University of Texas out of San Antonio, an expert on Eagle Ford. Shell, welcome to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. Thanks, Kim. You know, I, I kind of led into quickly a lot of, uh, or some of what you do, but you really are an expert in many things, uh, very, very experienced. Most importantly, you're experienced a lot in uh, Shell Place. So uh, before we get started, I want to have tons and tons of questions, and we ran into you recently. I want to start with, so I briefly ran over that you have an MBA, your PhD, and of course you work for the University of Texas out of San Antonio, but Tell me a little bit about your job title, um, what you really do for the University of Texas out of San Antonio. Sure. Well, the Institute for Economic Development has about 12 programs, uh, including things like a veterans assistance program, uh, contract uh, procurements, uh, the South Texas 
Small Business Development Center Network, uh, a, an organization with university partners that uh, counsels small businesses in a geography stretching from roughly from Corpus Christi to uh, El Paso. And, uh, and then, of course, my group does <laughs> excuse me the research, and uh, we perform economic impact and community development studies uh, across a variety of issues. Obviously, the Eagleford Shale is one of them, but uh, we've also worked with the city of San Antonio on uh, a couple of the missions, uh, five of which were recognized as UNESCO World Heritage uh, designation sites. And so the, the city expects to see even more folks coming in from other places to, to tour and, and uh, experience the missions. And so this, the city engaged us to work with them to try to ensure that the development around the missions doesn't jeopardize it, either the architectural or cultural authenticity of those sites. Yeah, you bring up a great thing, which is, the university and and you specifically get hired for many things, most of them looking and revolving around economic development. A lot of it has been oil and gas, and then some is, you know, like you said, the missions and how does it interplay with the economic development to the city. Let's go back to um, in the beginning. Let's break down the Eagle Ford shell for people who may or may not have heard. What was that impact to all of those little counties uh, in Eagle Ford? Uh, the uh, first report on the Eagleford had been issued that previous February, uh, which covered calendar year 2010, and the economic impact was uh, a little over $2 billion. And it's been interesting to see how, uh, you know, the subsequent year jumped up to $25 billion and uh, peaked in 2014 at about $123 billion. And it's fallen off of that, but uh, even where we think the low hit in 2016 uh, and and we have yet to follow up on research since the year 2015. So we don't know for sure, but we know the recounts went up after that. Um, it still uh, got down only as far as about $50 billion in economic impact, which was you know, sort of double that second year when, when I know in San Antonio people were just amazed at how this, this huge oil and gas field could have so much impact so quickly. And, uh, and, and even at the lows, the, the, uh, estimates are that employment related to uh, either uh, directly or indirectly associated with oil and gas development was about uh, 100,000 people. So, uh, yeah, it's been been quite interesting to, to see. And as as with you know a lot of oil and gas fields, the level of activity is heavily dependent on on the price of oil. Well, well, when we come back from break, I I really want to get into that number, that magical number that you discussed. Uh, $50 billion, um, we try to wrap our head around, oh, gee, you won the lottery or a publisher's clearinghouse comes knocking on your door and and you get a, maybe a million off of a scratch-off or the, the Texas lottery or here comes publisher's clearinghouse, which, by the way, I've never met anybody who's won publisher's clearinghouse, but I'm just saying the commercials, here you go. Uh, but that's a million, two million. We're not talking about $50 billion. Billion, so I, I want to come when we come back from break. I want to try to wrap our head around what is fifty billion and how has it through the years changed small little communities that depended on volunteer fire trucks to being able to build 
uh, brand new schools and brand new vehicles uh, for their fire department that they just purchased outright. But uh, uh, Dr. Tunstall, we have to take a break. When we return, we'll get into that. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dr. Tom Tunstall with University of Texas out of San Antonio. Um, Dr. Tunstall, before the break, we were discussing the economic impact uh, pertaining to the Eagle Ford Shell. And so um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you saw with the $50 billion impact to the region. Of course, Texas has a long history of boom and bust cycles uh, related to the not only to the oil and gas industry, but but uh, other other types of uh, natural resource related industries as well. But probably most most notably and 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 you know the one most pe- people are most familiar with is, is the oil and gas industry. <clears throat> and so we had have uh, and continued to work with communities to uh, try to help them s- steward those revenues wisely. Uh, you know, one analogy that. Uh, Leodora Martinez and others have have used about oil and gas windfalls is that they need to be treated as uh, bonuses and not annuities. That you know, from year to year, you never know for sure, you know, what the impact's going to be. But uh, you know, given that uh, communities in South Texas, a lot of them had been losing population prior to the activity in the Eagleford, and 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 uh, certainly uh, significant amounts of that had been reversed, and there are projects such as ballparks or natatoriums that the communities have, have wanted to put in place, but never really had the uh, tax revenues to to do that. Uh, you know, they were able to, to implement some of those projects, and so uh, you know that's the key is to you know ensure that the communities avoid going on on spending sprees with regard to frivolous things, and to try to use those increased revenues to 
put in overdue projects, improve infrastructure, uh, you know, essentially establish the foundation for other types of industry in addition to oil and gas so that they can diversify their economies. As rural Texas goes through sort of a, another period of transition, uh, they've been through a few in the past. And, uh, uh, and so hopefully that's what the, uh, you know, the revenues from the oil and gas activity have, have enabled communities to, to undertake. After the, your study and after what you saw, were there some winners that really took advantage of that money? One thing several of the communities have taken steps toward is revitalizing their downtowns. Uh, Gonzalez, Cotula, Cuero, uh, others, of course, in order to uh, transform them more into uh, destination locations. Uh, you know, Fredericksburg up in the Hill Country was, was a community that sort of figured that out early on. But a lot of the other communities, uh, particularly in South Texas, have, you know, lots of history and, 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 and things like that they could leverage. Uh, Gonzales is the birthplace of the Texas Revolution. Uh, Cuero has a really nice Main Street program. Uh, Cotulo's done some interesting things uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, completely redoing the park outside the, the county courthouse. Uh, they've got a nice mural downtown and, and, and several places to eat, a dance hall. Um, and, you know, just essentially trying to catalyze gathering places and, and meeting places and, and activities and festivals for uh, to attract people. Uh, one of the studies that we've undertaken you know, shows that if you can get people to come to your community for whatever reason, whether it's to you know work for a period of time, to, to, to visit, uh, vacation or whatever, there's a chance that some of those folks will ultimately decide to, to come and live there. And a lot of these communities, well, I was just going to say, a lot of these communities, as I mentioned earlier, were losing population prior to the ramp-up of activity in the Eagleford. And so there's at least a glimmer of, of, of hope that, uh, that they, they now may have the, the means to uh, uh, entice people to come, come and live there. The one that I think a lot about is one that has done very, very well with the come and get it, and that's Gonzales, Texas. And they have the uh, cannon, and it's come and get it. But they've done a great PR campaign and it still continues to this day that they kind of solidified uh, the history of that community and uh, and and they did a great PR campaign it still continues to this day with probably very modest funds but they did a great branding on on their little town and uh, it makes people want to come and get it and the only thing that I remember is uh, when you talk about Gonzales Texas it's the come and get it sign with the cannon that I know they are best known for, especially as of recently. Um, and so it, it was interesting to see what they did with their resources to brand themselves of come to my, our town and come and learn about the historical aspects. And you want to come to Gonzalez. Uh, when we return, Dr. Tunstall, uh, we ran into you at uh, the Future of the Region of South Texas, a nonprofit that covers 47 counties. And I want to talk about the discussion we had that conference but we do have to take a quick break you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back the texas energy advocates coalition is teaming up with the future of the region south texas to bring you capital day 
Meet us in Austin, Texas on February 11th, 2019 in front of the Texas Capitol building at 12 p.m. noon. We will have a chartered bus for advocates to ride for free from Corpus through San Antonio up to Austin with two pickup points along the way. Visit txenergyadvocates.com slash capital or futureregionstx.org slash capital for more information. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Join us for NAEP Summit Week from February 11th through the 15th, 2019 at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston, Texas. One show, one location. NAEP is the oil and gas industry's marketplace for the buying, selling, and trading of prospects and producing properties. NAEP is unique in that it brings together all industry disciplines. It draws in decision makers, it focuses its participation on prospect generators, and it hosts companies of all sizes, from small independents to majors. If you compete in the upstream oil and gas business, NAEP offers you an unparalleled opportunity to meet decision makers in an environment that is fun, energetic, and most of all, serious about getting business done. Visit NAPEXPO.com. That's N-A-P-E-E-X-P-O.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Dr. Tom Tunstall, leading researcher at the University of Texas for San Antonio. Uh, Dr. Tunstall, before the break, we were talking about the, the difference that Eagle Ford Shell really made in a lot of the rural communities in Eagle Ford Shell. Uh, now, I want to switch gears because we ran into you at the Future of the Region of South Texas, which is a nonprofit that was created way, way back, about 20 years ago, by uh, Senator. Judith Zaffarini, uh, Mayor Henry Cisneros, and HUD Secretary as well. And uh, the community, or this nonprofit, was created uh, to help the communities in uh, 47 counties, mostly uh, starting in San Antonio and work its, working its way around all the way from Eagle Ford Shell counties to Corpus Christi to Laredo, uh, Victoria. And, and so there's a lot of little counties that uh, future of the region of South Texas takes into consideration what is in the best interest of all of these little rural communities and cities. And, and they will go to, of course, our legislators at Legislation Time, which we're coming upon another session, um, and discuss what is in their best interest. And so you came to their conference and, and you had an amazing uh a presentation pertaining to what is really happening on many different levels. So, so it wasn't just on oil and gas. It was on many different uh, economic impacts, even outside of oil and gas. So tell me a little bit about your presentation and things that were really, uh, uh, you know, making a difference pertaining to uh, these 47 counties in uh, South Texas. Well, a lot of our research focuses on underserved parts of Texas, the, the, the rural areas as opposed to the, the, the heavily urbanized areas of Texas, which people tend to be more familiar with. 
the research includes West Texas, but uh, the future of the region uh, is obviously focused on, on mostly on South Texas, and, uh, and and of course that's an area of interest as well. So, you know, we're we're interested in things like the urban-rural divide and the urban-rural interdependency. How how we need both, even though obviously most of the population growth has turned has has occurred in in the urban areas in Texas, particularly it's you know Dallas, Fort Worth. Austin, Houston, and San Antonio, but the urban areas to to the south are important uh, because of their agricultural output, uh, and uh, you know a lot of communities that have been in existence for for over a hundred years, and and concern about their their ongoing viability, and so uh, you know we talked a little bit about that. Uh, I also touched on a study that we had done, uh, a few of uh, the uh, academics at UT San Antonio, as well as some other universities in the area on uh, education in Texas and, and how we currently, for example, have the luxury with the population of growing, Texas growing uh, at about 1,000 people per day, half of those born here, the other half moving in from other states or other countries, we have the luxury of, of being able to import a lot of talent for new projects that come come into the state. But in a lot of ways, we have an inequitable education system in Texas, and we are uh, in many areas not doing a good job of educating our youth. And so, you know, the concern there, uh, and, and a lot of these, these areas are, are rural, and, and so we've tried to sort of send out a warning to, to uh, particularly to business to make them aware of, of some of these perspective shortfalls or education gaps that we're looking at in the future. And, and hopefully the, the uh, between all of the stakeholders, including the Texas legislature, that, that these issues ultimately get addressed. You know, one of the things that to me I found, uh, and you've wrote an article in Shell Magazine way, way back about um, some of the uh, economic impact that some of these communities have taken advantage of. And I would have never have known had you not uh, wrote an article in Shell Magazine about one of the things that Texas is uh, is capturing a market is olives. And I didn't know that in Texas, it, it, we're growing olives. Um, it's kind of like uh, in California, in uh, Napa Valley, they're kind of known for their wine. Uh, in Texas, and especially in rural South Texas, uh, I think we uh, there's a couple of uh, little communities that are known for growing olives. Who would have thought that in Texas? Um, tell me about that. <laughs> I thought that was so strange. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the climate and geography of much of South Texas resembles that of Spain and Italy, which are a couple of the, uh, the really key global locations for growing olive uh, trees and producing olive oil, and uh, and a lot of people don't know that uh, historically. I haven't seen the figures in the last few years, but I suspect it hasn't changed significantly. I mean, the U.S. imports most of the olive oil it consumes, ninety-five uh, percent, and obviously it's becoming because of the popular popularity of the Mediterranean diet, becoming uh, you know uh, consumption is increasing. Yeah, and so uh, so. It's it's been interesting to see that the numbers of olive groves have 
uh, and acres have been expanding in South Texas and more olive oils. And it's very high quality olive oil being produced uh, in in South Texas. And uh, it's not a you know a huge employer, but it's certainly a significant uh, uh, sort of differentiated agricultural product uh, as opposed to more commodity products that's being produced. Uh, in South Texas. So that's a, a good news story for sure. Exactly. And thank you for writing and, and keeping us aware of what was going on. Because um, if you had not uh, written that story, uh, it was it certainly wasn't on my radar. Now, uh, I, I am aware of uh, olive trees being grown in Texas that are producing all of this olive oil and stuff. So very interesting and important stuff. Now, Dr. Tunstall, when we return from break, I want to get into some of the new research and some of the new paths that you're on uh, pertaining to the university being hired to uh, conduct studies. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Do you have burning questions about the oil and gas industry? In the Oil Patch host, Kim Bellotto will be hosting a live show with John Tintera, President and Chief of Staff of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Send your questions to radio at shalemag.com. That's radio at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com. We'll have a live telephone line on the air, so be sure to send an email to radio at shalemag.com and we'll send you the call-in number. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 And we're back you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio show our guest today is Dr. Tom Tunstall leading researcher at the University of Texas out of San Antonio uh, Dr. Tunstall we were talking about that, uh, you know, we ran into you at uh, the Future of the Region for South Texas, a, a nonprofit that focuses on 47 counties and Eagle Ford Shell, as well as uh, some of the South Texas rural, uh, coastal, Bend area and rural communities. And, and we were discussing your presentation, discussing the economic development on all those areas. I, I want to switch gears just a little bit. Tell me a couple of impact studies that you're doing right now. We have recently been asked by the Texas Distilled Spirits Association, uh, which is a it's a, still a relatively small group of distillers. Uh, so this is as opposed to beer and wine. These are are folks that uh, uh, manufacture alcohol liquor. Uh, so uh, uh, distilled spirits, uh, uh, so you know the 86 proof typically uh, uh, type products, and the uh, you know of course the most famous case and and, and really the first Tito's uh, case vodka of, <laughs> exactly craft, <laughs> one craft of my favorites distillers yes as well it's uh, a lot of people don't know this uh, Tito's has uh, in terms of uh, global sales has surpassed uh, Jack Daniels wow uh, that's how popular it is good for that company. 
And they're based out of Austin, right? I mean, like, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, drip, yeah, uh, yeah. And I was uh, on vacation in uh, Mexico, and uh, somebody at the bar ordered Tito's, and I was surprised, pleased, but uh, but I had to ask them why, and uh, they told me that uh, they they their understanding was it was uh, 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 organic, or or or. or more organically produced uh, than than other vodkas. I don't, I don't know, necessarily know if that's true. It certainly uh, you know builds itself as a craft vodka, but it's obviously been a huge success story. And so there are about a hundred and I think roughly 140 distillers in Texas. That number continues to grow. And they, in addition to to the products that they put on the market, they also uh, a lot of them uh, use significant amounts of agricultural output from the state. And so. That that in and of itself is an interesting story as well, and so we were asked to uh, put some numbers on that and to sort of work with them to to make their case to the legislature that that it's an industry that needs to be encouraged, uh, uh, you know, through either uh, favorable legislation. Uh, there there are a lot of the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission imposes a lot of conditions on. Uh, craft distillers and uh, to the extent that uh, they can uh, get more flexibility with regard to how they operate in terms of uh, tasting rooms and, and quantities they can sell at their distilling site, uh, you know, the more likely they are to grow. So that's, uh, you know, one sort of interesting avenue we've pursued. Uh, just from, you know, my own perspective, one of the things, uh, you know, periodically, for example, when we talk about Eagleford, people will often ask about other quality of life components, and that's led us to uh, research to kind of take a look at, you know, why traditional economic theory doesn't really tend to look at uh, natural capital and ecosystems. Uh, in fact, it's uh, possible to get a, a doctorate in economics, uh, as I have, and 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 not be exposed to the, the concept of ecosystem services really at all. And uh, so I think from a policy perspective, those are, you know, obviously we see lots of stuff in the press. It's becoming more of a uh, uh, an issue going forward. And uh, um, it's something we want to, you know, be in front of in terms of, you know, our understanding of, of the interaction between the two. To the extent that, uh, like I said, from a public policy perspective, uh, I actually uh, – novelized uh, some of the themes along those lines of the interaction between economics and ecosystems um, in, a, in a way to make the admittedly complicated topics more accessible. And you and you do that very well. But quickly, tell me a little bit about some research you were doing with the city of San Antonio, because uh, I know you were doing a study on on that, too. Well, as I mentioned, we've you know, been working with the city on on developing the 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 missions. It's not just the Alamo, but it's uh, Mission uh, Concepcion, uh, San Juan, San Jose, and Espada. Uh, but uh, but yes, the the city this uh, uh, last year was celebrating its uh, 300th anniversary, which is really significant. I mean, if you look at this part uh, of the U.S., there's probably only a couple of cities of any size that that can claim you know that kind of longevity. I would say New Orleans and San Antonio, probably both of them. Um, I'm not sure how long New Orleans has been in existence, but I suspect that it's got a similar uh, pedigree as, as San Antonio. And uh, 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 it's also interesting to note that uh, you know up until 1930, a lot of people know, don't know that San Antonio was the largest city in Texas. It was only after that point that uh, Dallas and Houston started to overtake San Antonio in terms of population. So it's a uh, you know very 
historical city and, uh, 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 you know, as, as I, I suspect, you know, the number one and two or one in three tourist attractions in the state are the Alamo and, and the Riverwalk. So, um, so it's been a lot of fun to, to kind of celebrate 300 years here. Very interesting. So, I w- you know, I'd love to run into you because you just are a wealth of information. You're like a walking encyclopedia on so many different topics from Eagle Ford Shell to uh, distilleries uh, pertaining to liquor and uh historical data from a very, very long uh, history pertaining to cities. Uh, And so, Tom, thank you for coming and uh, being a guest on our show. That is all the time that we have uh, for this show. But I'd love to have you come back. I hope you will. So wanted to thank you for being a guest today, and I look forward to you coming back on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Kim. Thanks again, uh, Dr. Tunstall, for being a guest on our show today. And congratulations, because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. And the question for today is, what university does Dr. Tom Tunstall do his research at? Well, that's all the time that we have for this show, but please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. Or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G. And if you have any questions for me, or if you have questions on oil and gas, I encourage you to email me at radio at shellmag.com. That's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then... Adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.